A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast. I am your host, Stu Whiffin. I hope you're doing well today. I'm feeling good, just doing some intros and outros that I obviously record after we've recorded the episode. I'm sitting in my little shed type thing at the end of the garden. And today I am doing the intro for my podcast chat with Star Sailor Frontman, James Walsh. James, I'd met before a few times. He came out and partied after the last uh, hardcore listing live show in London. And he's just a really nice guy. Super calm, very laid, laid back, laid back. And uh, and it was really nice to, to chat tunes with him. And I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy listening as much as I did recording it. So... Just a quick shout out to everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, there's loads of other podcasts on this network, which is owned by, um, yeah, Pod Diddy uh, himself, Scroobius Pip. Uh, so go over and have a little look at the other stuff on the network. And big thanks to 76 for producing this. Brad Acton and my name is Ad for doing artwork and video content. I think that's it. So... Enjoy this episode of Off the Beat and Track podcast with James Walsh. 76, drop the intro. It's Off the Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Right, we're recording. We are uh, in the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen where we've recorded many an episode of our Collistin and home of three live shows now and uh and it's my base for today where i'm going to be recording four podcasts today um which will be coming your way in the forthcoming weeks uh we're in the in the live room it's not too warm sun's shining outside which is nice and it gives me great pleasure to introduce today's guest james walsh hey you all right yeah i'm good i'm good I last saw you post the last live show. We went a few doors up from here and, and, and yeah. drunk some booze. And uh, yeah, it was a bit of fun. It was and, great. Uh, it was a good night. It was. It was, uh, it was a bit of fun, that was. And, uh, and obviously, you've, you've guested previously on Hardcore Listing. Yeah. Top five Shane Meadows films. Mm-hmm. And, 
And speaking of meadows and, and, and well, not necessarily meadows, I watched um, Journeyman. Have you seen it yet? Yeah, the Paddy Considine yeah. film. What did you make of that? Superb. Mate, I'm not going to lie. When he makes that phone call to his wife, yeah. I was in floods of tears. Yeah. It absolutely destroyed me. I thought it was, I thought it was a masterpiece. Yeah. I thought he, he clearly learned out of box properly as well. Yeah. And, uh, and I know just through seeing and following him on, on his social media and stuff, he's a massive boxing enthusiast anyway. And yeah, yeah I thought it was a, a cracker. Right. I believe that particular scene was powerful for him to film as well. Um, cause he was talking about it. I was fortunate enough to listen to him, him speak at uh, the Charlatans North by Northwich thing. Was so what was he being interviewed by Tim or was he being interviewed by It was for a, another podcast for Craig Parkinson's. Craig Parkinson's he's he's yeah. he's was meant to have been doing one today here yeah. with me. Um but he's uh he's got the kids in the summer yeah. holidays but he's yeah. uh he, he's he's gonna be a future guest so I've not listened to that one yet. It's uh, good. Oh. Um but it, Unfortunately, it's not coming out because uh, I think that's one of the great things about um, Craig's podcast, your podcast, anyone's podcast is the integrity of like Paddy wasn't particularly happy with stuff that he'd said and he said, I'd, I'd be happier if you didn't put it out. So like, fair enough. That's it's weird you say that. Yeah. He, the, the last live show we'd done here, one of our guests on stage was mm. um, a podcast called Matt Stocks. Yeah. And he recorded one with Paddy. And and again, Paddy yeah. wasn't comfortable with some of the things he said, so that yeah. one's not 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 coming out. Um, but I think I don't think he'd mind me kind of repeating this little bit because it it was just about him uh, filming that scene, and it was uh, yeah. Um, he said there's certain times as an actor where you kind of inhabit a character, but there's still a little bit of yourself in there. It's you playing a role. And he said that in that moment, he was genuinely, he was that guy pleading for his his uh, wife to come home. And, and it's sort of like an out-of-body experience, like method acting taken to the extreme. Is like, it takes a long time to get over it because you're like, I was him, I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was, it was good to hear him talk. And I, I, I'm sure there couldn't be many takes of that. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, and it, yeah, we've got it. <laughs> without saying too much, you know, he's he's just, you know, he's had a brain injury, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Fighting and 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 his behaviour becomes quite erratic, and and his wife leaves him, and he just makes this phone call to her to 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 try and get her to come home, and he's trying to prolong the call, isn't he? He's yeah. trying to think of things to say, and it's yeah. oh mate, it will tear you in half. He's a it's an amazing bit of cinema. Powerful film. Yeah, yeah. absolutely brilliant. But we're not here to talk about Paddy today. We're here to talk about the seven songs um, on your playlist, which will be available uh, on Spotify as well. So you can go and listen to the tracks that James chooses um, throughout the duration of this chat. And we always start the podcast, fittingly so, with the song that has the greatest intro and so do you want to... You, you can announce your songs as we go through this. So. Yeah. 
Um, I've gone with I Am the Resurrection, the Stone Roses. Okay. Um, Why was that? Well, I think there's loads, obviously, there's loads of songs out there with amazing intros, like Dusty Springfield, Son of a Preacher Man. Yeah. Those songs where you just know instinctively that that's that song. Um, but what I think marks out I Am the Resurrection is because that drum beat is so simple. Yeah. Um, for a song to become so iconic that when you hear someone going, yeah, <laughs> you go, oh, it's I Am the Resurrection. <laughs> it's like, to me, that's unbelievable. It's and it is just that drum beat, right? Yeah. And then yeah. obviously the bass comes in, which is off the scale. Yeah. But I think, do you know what's so brilliant is because the start of it is so stripped and it is just that beat. Yeah. Once you know that song, yeah. you know that's the intro to whatever it is, nine minutes yeah. of fucking madness <laughs> that finishes anything but stripped down. Yeah. You know, everything gets thrown at that last four minutes, yeah. right? And I think, I mean, I'd like to get your, your thoughts on it as a, as a songwriter, but what I love about that record is the fact that you don't get the chorus. Yeah. It's like, where's the chorus? Oh, hang on, it's gone back to the second verse. Like, yeah. when's the chorus coming? Yeah. And then it just, I guess it's what people get from dance music maybe, you're just waiting for that drop. Yeah. Is there a more euphoric chorus when that drops? And do you think that it's that euphoric because of your made to wait for it? Um, yeah, I think it's... it's uh, think the the power of and because the verse is so strong as well yeah. you, you don't mind that it goes back to the yeah. verse cause it's a good verse um but yeah it definitely increases the impact that it's it's uh you've had to work for it yeah i mean when you sit down you know and, and you decide to oh, i'm gonna write a song today and and you start to structure that are you do, do you have a format that, that, that you try to work to? Are you verse, chorus, verse, chorus, mid, late, chorus, or...? Um, yeah, I think it varies on what what sort of song starts to... Usually I'll start with chords and melody and then the, the style of song or the arrangement of the song will um, start to evolve from that, so then you can go, okay, this is uh, this is where we're going. But I try and uh, increasingly to put some sort of hook in the verse of most of the songs that I'm writing now. Because um, I think the natural uh, sort of way to write songs and to, um, to go through the process is to go, right, we've got to make the chorus really strong and then the verses fit around that. But at the end of the day, the intro on the verse is the first thing you can of hear. Of course. So. And in, and in the, the world we live in now, where everything's moved so fast and is so disposable and you know, yeah. everything is so saturated with music and you know, it's there, you yeah. haven't got to think about it. I guess, I don't know, do, do people, if they're not Shazamming it in the first minute now, is, you know, yeah. is, is there, are these things that have to be considered if you're writing for other artists now, just that, that kind of impact of the intro? Um, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh, 
I've not been sort of lucky enough yet to write with any massive artists. Yeah. Uh, not recently, anyway. Um, where I have to think about that too much. Um, but what what are your th thoughts on that? Because I guess if you're creating, and you know, I don't think it's too wanky to say art. Hmm. Like, surely it should it shouldn't have them boundaries, should it? You should write yeah. what what you think is is how you, you know, want stuff to be perceived and, and what's going on in your mind and, and you know, and, and the, the core progressions, whatever it is that, that feels right. Is it weird to think, well, oh, yeah, I know, but that intro may be too long that I'm not going to get people or will it now mean it won't get on radio and things like that? Are, they, are these considerations that, that, you that you particularly... A, adhere to, and B, do they sit comfortably with you? Um, I don't know. I've not... Yeah. I, I guess you just have to find the balance, really, yeah. between... Like, I do a lot of library music, which, on the face of it, is, is about a sort of commercial and... Uh, what's the word? homogenise as it gets but for people that aren't so sure as to what, what library music is as such do you want to explain maybe a little bit as to yeah it's basically music for TV and film that goes up on a big library so if uh, if a TV show can't afford or can't get a, a big song like a Bob Dylan song or a Neil Young song they'll type in acoustic singer songwriter style mm and pull something down from the library. Um, but I actually really enjoy writing that stuff because I think whether it's commercial pressure or artistic pressure, like I have to make this my masterpiece, it's kind of, uh, I don't sort of worry about it too much. I just uh, write what comes naturally and quickly as well and go, yeah. right, there you go. And then... <laughs> Fortunately, a, a lot of the stuff has been accepted and has yeah. become a a route for my creativity. Yeah. So I think that's one of the... It's amazing touring with the band and getting to play these shows and play these old songs for people night after night. But I think as an artist and a songwriter, you, you need... Or me personally, I need somewhere for these ideas and these yeah, of course. creations to go, so... Um, and people say like, oh, uh, do you not feel like you want to save this for your own album or for yeah. Star Sailor? And I feel my kind of reaction to that is, well, um, wherever, if someone's asked you to do something and you come up with something and it works, then let it go. Yeah. And have faith in your own ability to write something great down the line yeah. when uh, when songs are required for a Star Sailor album or yeah. a solo album, just keep keep the wheels turning. Okay. Well, to go back to The Roses quickly, um, I mean, at the age that I am, I was 16 when Resurrection came out and mm. I kind of caught it at the right time and, it, you know, it was... The Stone Roses were the biggest yeah. thing on the planet and, you know, everyone went Manchester and stuff like that. You're considerably younger than me. Mm. So what was your sort of introduction to the Roses? Um, 
I think when Oasis became big and uh, Blur and Pulp, the Britpop explosion, basically, I think that kind of triggered a lot of working backwards and a yeah. lot of uh, raiding like the older brothers or older sisters record collection. Mm. Um, and a lot of the clubs, the sort of indie clubs that I would go to in Wigan and Warrington, they'd kind of go back to New Order and the Smiths yeah. and the Stone Roses, and, um, which is amazing that to think of now. Yeah. That w they were the songs that got people on the dance floor. Well, because a lot of them, like I Am the Resurrection, is quite upbeat and dancey, but a lot of them are it's kind of mid-tempo yeah, tunes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but somehow he found a way to sort of move yeah. around. To you know, I, I, think, I mean, I, I still run my indie night in, in Essex, and and Resurrection is still a point in the night where, and it, and it's amazing, and 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 also to to get approached by. 18 year old kids saying can you play how soon is now or yeah. can you play loose fit or, or yeah. you know or and i want to be adored and it's like these songs aren't necessarily what you would deem in inverted commas dance floor yeah. bangers right but yeah. i guess in the indie clubs i mean we'll get on to clubbing a little bit later because obviously i want to talk about your time clubbing but yeah i do think it's the indie club is the exception you can play them songs like yeah. that and you know i think because people are, are generally committed to the them bands do you know what i mean yeah. like, but all right well look, let's let's start to sort of move through your your playlist so i asked you to choose for, for your second track the first song that you remember that had an emotional impact on you so that that could be whatever emotion you hmm. you know deem strong enough that it's stuck with you and uh and yeah, and you went for? Um, Design for Life, Manic Street Preachers. Okay. Um, yeah, I think there were other songs that, or movements that had a kind of, uh, had an effect on me, like I loved Oasis. I still, still love that music and the Verve were massive for me and Blur. Um, but I think to kind of uh, narrow it down to one song, I think, and just one moment where I thought, what on earth, what on earth is that? That's unbelievable. It was definitely a design for life. I think there was uh, a lot of that music as well. It it fit together. It, it, it uh, like Oasis, the Blue Tones. Not not to kind of belittle it in any way because they've all got their own unique yeah. things going on, but they they all worked well together, and that's why it worked as a mm -hmm. as a scene. Um, whereas the Manics, I've I've always felt were just on a completely different plane. The lyrics they were writing, the, um, the uh, James Dean Bradfield's voice, something else. And when I heard that song, amongst all this perfectly good and and because guitar music was massive at the time so it, for something for a, a song essentially a guitar song to kind of stand out amongst all the rest was like yeah so it was mark radcliffe played it on his show yeah 
as in the bathroom. I remember, <laughs> distinctly Harold remember. Um, I must have been 16. I distinctly remember being in the bathroom and thinking, how do I get hold of that song? It's amazing. Well, I mean, to... You know, up until that album, the Manics, you, you know, had put out music, you know, like Loves for Exile, Slash and yeah. Burn, Despair Aware and yeah. stuff like that. And it was far more gnarly. And, yeah. and I mean, don't get me wrong, I think they've always had a really strong pop element. You know, even yeah. tracks like Little Baby Nothing, I think are fantastic pop songs. But then this album, and, and you know, I would say... Definitely this single one, the single after everything must go, was that the single after that? Yeah, yeah. And in Australia and stuff like that. For me, that was a turning point for that band in regards to definitely for production because yeah. it was quite spectresque, right? Yeah. It was huge strings. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do they call them? Big drums. What are they called? Uh, great big things where you... Oh, I can't think what they're called. I Not kettle either. drums, are they? It is kettle drums. It is a kettle yeah. drums, yeah. And and there's there's a bit in the in that track which I personally think is the, the the greatest moment in that song. It's where the strings go. It's just magnificent. Yeah. And and I think if you're going to have a song that big, you've got to have a vocal that can keep up with that. Yeah. And yet, as massive as that is, his song still, f his voice still fucking dwarfs it. It's yeah. so strong, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. And so, I, I, I want to ask you then, hearing that big string-laden production and, and these big songs, was that, do you think that influenced the fact of, of Star Sailor and strings and, and obviously it's a Spectre production and, yeah. and stuff like that? Was, do you think that, that kind of made its dent so strongly emotionally at that point that you know, it stuck with you to the point where you thought, right, well, I can yeah. reference this? And I think, I think more, probably more subconsciously. And, yeah. Um, there's definitely a, a lineage or whatever from, or a connection between James Dean Bradfield and Manic Street Preachers and the the music I subsequently obsessed over, like Tim Buckley and Jeff Buckley, that sort of vocal range and emotional depth. Um, so yeah, I can definitely see a connection. I remember I watched the Manics at Isle of Wight Festival. And oh, recently? Yeah, yeah. and the, I thought they were easily like the best band of the festival. Um, but it's funny when you when you're watching something, it's having this like massive emotional impact on you, to the extent where, if you see people around who aren't getting it, you're like, "What's wrong with you? Yeah. What, are you what are you doing now? How can you just sort of nod your head to this song and think, yeah, that's nice.' So that's that's the the power of music, I guess. Like you become a supporter for your like football, or whatever. You yeah. become a supporter for your favourite song. Yeah. Like, you want to give someone a shake and just no you're not yeah it's all right you're not listening to it properly yeah. it's amazing yeah. <laughs> but do, do you find you do that because I, I i definitely do that if you know I, if i've got friends over and i've i've heard some track that i just think fuck that's incredible yeah. like and i play it to someone and you know and maybe they'll start looking at their phone or just yeah. you know chatting to someone else in yeah. the room i just think 
fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, why, why are you not yeah. just knocked sideways by yeah. this, this piece of beauty? Yeah. And, uh, but I guess it is, it's horses for courses, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, it still don't make me feel any better about it because I just <laughs> think, no, I'm right, you're wrong. So, where, where, where was you born? Uh, Chorley in Lancashire. Okay. Yeah. And so, growing up, was there... Was it a musical household? Um, yeah, it was. I think uh, n- neither of my parents um, sort of played any instruments around the house or yeah. anything. So there wasn't like a piano in the house or a no. guitar or anything? there was a guitar. Okay. Um, I remember my, my dad was a head teacher. My mum was a... Ironically enough, a teacher of deaf children. <laughs> so, um, and uh, he won a guitar in a raffle, and it just sat on his shelf in his study, like, and no one really touching it. It's really not the best guitar either. Just like a cheap mm. acoustic, a nylon string acoustic. I just remember getting into Neil Young and going like, right, I'm gonna have to take that down. So. And, how did you get into Neil Young? And, um, and, and what age was this then? Um, yeah, my dad used to play Neil Young. Right. Harvest Moon mm-hmm. album, which I believe was like 92, 93. But I think it was a few years after that. So pretty much alongside the uh, the Britpop stuff. Yeah. So 95, 96. So did you have older brothers and sisters? or? Yeah, I've got an older... A brother is eight years older than me, so he was kind of... New Order, um, Stone Roses, stuff. So you got, you know, was it that kind of thing of I used to, you know, nick my older brother's records and used to hear him playing yeah. records and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah, he'd be away at university or whatever and I'd sneak in his room and play CDs sometimes, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, okay, well, if we, we, we go on to, to track three, and, and it is brilliant because, as I've said time and time again on this podcast... I just think it's brilliant when, when guests come on and leave their court at the door <laughs> because uh, it's, it's so easy to say that you was, you was at school, you know, listening to the fall and stuff like that, but nobody was. <laughs> um, and so for track three, I asked you to pick the song that reminds me of your school days. That was uh, Babylon Zoo, Spaceman. <laughs> Have you listened to it recently? No. no, it's not. Uh, it's definitely a song um, that just triggers those memories um, of being at school. I remember we actually we had to do it, or we didn't have to do it, but we had to choose a song to because part of our GCSE music was that like you have to do an ensemble. So I got together with uh, a friend of mine who played bass guitar. And I was singing and playing guitar, and, and that was the song that we chose to, to do for our GCSE music ensemble piece. And did you sing? Yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, Is that recorded anywhere? Uh, I think so, yeah, somewhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would love to hear James Walsh doing his best. Jazz Man, was that his name? That was his name, yeah. And, uh, I think they sent him up on, on Brasside, didn't they? Can you remember the episode of... Uh, um, was it Brasside? Rings the Bell. He, uh, w- he was quite flamboyant yeah. in uh, 
and he was saying that delusional maybe there's definitely a bit of that and they were saying like you know he was talking about where he's where he's going to take music and uh and i think it was chris morris or someone was saying like you know do you feel restricted by you know a to g and he was like nah and he was like do you think you'll ever play a h he was like i think i will <laughs> And so, all right, so what sort of memories does that evoke, Spaceman? Do you predominantly just yeah, sitting there learning how to play it? Yeah, just, uh, and thinking it was great as well. Like, you, actually really liking it and... Because it's from an um, advert, right? Yeah. And it was just the, the, the speeded up vocal that I believe was yeah. on the advert, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and it, yeah, I mean, this is a prime example of if, you're not aware of this song, why you should go over to the, the, the Spotify playlist and listen to it because he, he looked quite cool, didn't he? You know, yeah. he, 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 was a, he, was a, he was a pretty guy and he had a sort of almost a bit Brian Molko-esque kind of look, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And, uh, and then this, this little skit from the advert becomes so infectious that I, I think they maybe wrote the song around that. I don't know. I don't really know what the origins of it was, but... It was a massive number one, wasn't it? And yeah, it was everywhere. And uh, I haven't listened to it for a while, and I'm sure it's probably hasn't aged that well. But it it just like reminds me of that youthful enthusiasm and yeah. and that uh, I don't know. I suppose you have a slightly different critical ear. You kind of you just absorbing all, all this music and yeah. it's like a brave new world yeah. the, mo the more music you hear the more cynical you, you can let yourself become if you're not too careful because so much you, the more music you listen to you can go all oh, that just sounds like that and that yeah. just sounds like that whereas when you're sort of 12, 13 it's all ahead of you it's like wow what's, what is this this yeah. is amazing yeah. it, it's great when you um, when you have like you'll see like go out and see young bands and stuff and see the the effect that they're having on their audience it's yeah. like, oh, I, I remember that I yeah remember. <laughs> it's the it's the best part right yeah you know I, you know I personally you know the, the the years of being in bands when you started to sort of get a bit more serious where it was like, oh guys mm. a record deal here or there's you know, this, that, and the other. Don't get me wrong, they're all things that we kind of wanted. But initially, the biggest thing you could ever do is play your local venue to your mates, yeah. right? Yeah. And that joy... It's amazing, yeah. It's the really best, good. right? Yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So, where, where, did you go to school, Wigan? Uh, Chorley. Sorry, Chorley, yeah, yeah. 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 How yeah. was it? Enjoy school? Not really, no. <laughs> that, that's why I suppose the the sort of fun moments stick out because the rest of it was a bit of a grind. And I think uh, I think I was just a typical teenager though, really. They were the particularly difficult years because... Um, was you know. at the school that your dad... No. No, right. Uh, yeah, I think I was... Well, I was ridiculously sensitive and... That combined with a teenage ego, <laughs> so yeah, of a, that's a fragile a bit of blend, a, isn't it? A lethal combination, yeah. Like uh, that sort of 
constant juxtaposition, which I guess anyone who's in a band or particularly singers from bands, you're always on that tightrope between um, I'm amazing, why doesn't everyone like me, to um, pointless, why would anyone like me? Yeah. <laughs> sort of like, there's no balance of yeah. like, just chill out and um, find your people. It's sort of like... So when you say, find, you know, to, to talk about finding people back in, the, in them days, was there a, a connection to to people at school did you you know was there the the the, the gang of kids that were were in oasis and and blur yeah. and did you sort of gravitate um, towards that and only towards the end of school really i think music football was a much bigger draw really like being good at football being into football um and music and was you good at football never no <laughs> <laughs> music music wasn't particularly talked about or or seen as much of a badge of honour so that's why it was such an eye-opener when I, I got to college and there's all these like-minded people and um, being able to play guitar and being able to sing and know all these songs was a an asset. I think it's, I was, I was talking to my daughter about um, college a while ago and you know thankfully she's she's happy at school and and I was saying like but when you get to college I hope it's the, the same as it was mm. when I was there, but you get to explore things that you can't really get away with at school without being ridiculed. Like, yeah. like I say, I remember sitting in the common room at college like, with an acoustic guitar, like playing it. And you know, if yeah. I'd done that at a canteen at school, I was yeah. like, what's he doing? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But at college, <laughs> exactly. it's like, yeah. you know, you can gravitate towards the, the people in the, you know, that study mm. art and music and, 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 you know, if you're that way inclined, then I guess you find comrades there because they're, they're into the same things as you, and they're yeah. they're experimenting in 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 all manner of things creatively as well. That yeah, are, are a draw. Did you did you find that? You know, um, yeah, definitely. I think at school, everyone's trying to find themselves, and you sort of want to do everything you can to fit in. You want to sort of become this person that fits in and is accepted um, whereas as you get older and certainly when you go to college it's like you get more confident in like now this Kick this is who I am yeah. yeah this is who I am this is what I'm about and um, if people relate to that great and if they don't then I'll just carry on yeah. <laughs> on my own so. yeah 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 absolutely and uh yeah, if people don't understand me and my love for uh, Babylon Zoo, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. I um, know I had to keep that secret when I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, look for track four. Uh, I said that the asked you to choose the first record that you you remember buying, and you've you've, you've given us a bit of a loaded answer here, so we can discuss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Both parts of your answer here yeah. because uh, I'm quite interested in, in your, uh, your cassette singles. <laughs> so you, you, you've said that the first actual record you bought was... Park life. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's talk about that first then. So, so was it, being a a northern lad, like surely by that point you should have been buying definitely maybe and. Um, I think Park Life came out a little bit before. Did it? Definitely maybe. Yeah. From from what I remember, um, when I got it on cassette, it must have been the early days of getting albums from supermarkets. Yep. I remember my mum, uh, I gave, gave my mum my pocket money and said, I want to get this Park Life album on cassette. Um, yeah, it's just uh, that album had a, a big impact on me and kind of set me off the path of perusing the bargain bin <laughs> and actually having uh, a focus to my music and my, my musical tastes. So... I think it's well documented that Park Life's a it's a classic, right? Yeah. And you know, it's got some is it is it your favourite blur album? Um that's a good question. I think Yeah, I'd say it yeah. Is. I think thirteen is a great record. Um but as a as a work of art and I suppose thirteens are kind of stick your headphones in and uh, yeah. and get get carried off in a, into another world, whereas you could put Park Life on in a, a party or you could listen to it on your own. I think it's um, f- for me leisure. I, f- I think it's good, but I think leisure they wanted they got you know they wanted that baggy sound and they wanted to kind of yeah. get you know and then I think for me my favourite's Modern Life and I, and I yeah. think Modern Life's the the Angry Album and, uh, you yeah. know, Let's Make Some Noise. And, and to have that look that they had at that time when everyone's wearing shorts with long hair and, and lumberjack shirts to yeah. go, fuck that, I'm, I'm wearing a Fred Perry and, and, and DMs and, yeah. you know, I'm going to sing about London was, was incredible. Uh, and, you know, on paper, you know, sure, the record company must have been thinking, well, that's not going to work. You know, <laughs> everyone's listening to Pearl Jam. But... Um, and then I think Park Life was probably that moment because for me, Great Escape's brilliant, but it's super pop in places, isn't it? And, and yeah. I think Park Life's just that journey to that point of having that bit of anger 
and, and stamping themselves on the map as this is what we are, but really embracing that pop sensibilities as well. I think yeah. Park Life is that definitely that moment. And, uh, so let's let's talk about uh, some of your cassette singles that you pulled out your <laughs> bargain bin. Oh, there's all sorts. Uh, the Pasadenas, I'm doing fine now. That, <laughs> that uh, immediately springs to mind. What Dave Stewart one was it? I can't remember, honestly. Was it Dave Stewart and the Spiritual Cowboys? Exactly. Was yeah. it Jack yeah. talking? I think, yeah, that, that rings a bell. Yeah. It, they all kind of blur into each other because yeah. it's just like, just picking them out. And I did enjoy the music that was on them as well. Yeah. It's just, uh, there's like I say, there was no focus to it. It's yeah. just like, I think it was like, so like six for a fiver or whatever. Yeah. Or maybe even less. Um, but that's... That's representative of a, of a thirst for music, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. right, well, look, I'm going to have this that's and I'm going to... spent my pocket money on. Yeah. 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 Right. That's fantastic. So was there like a, a record shop in Chorley or was it like you went to Woolworths and just got them in there or was there like, as you started to sort of develop your taste, was there that independent record um, store? And There's two record shops in Chorley. Um, Malcolm's Music Land was the big one and Townsend Records. Um, and Malcolm's Music Land... Uh, was probably the more kind of personable place because like, Malcolm was the the guy who ran it. Um, Figures. Yeah, I think he's still alive. Is um, this either of them shops still there? Yeah, the uh, Malcolm's is definitely still really? there. Really? I think. Yeah, I think he's still alive. Although he seemed old when I was growing yeah. up, so if he is, then he, he's doing well. He must be into his like eighties or whatever. Yeah. Um, but what was unique about that shop was it was, you know, these shops where they they sell two completely disparate items. Where you're like, how did, <laughs> how did that happen? An I example being Malcolm's Musicland and Malcolm's Pramland. <laughs> oh, fuck off! Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Prams. Pramland. Yeah. <laughs> I think his, he let his wife, whatever, have a have a showroom upstairs where she sold prams. Couldn't she have had like Maureen's Pramland or something like that? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a yeah, it was a, a good place, and then just surreal to kind of go through that, and then years later um, have our albums in in Malcolm's Music Land and. Fantastic. Uh, like chatting to the local reps or whatever from the label going, oh, I was just in Malcolm's sort of dropping off a load of vinyl copies of Fever or whatever because they've run out and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like like you say, even, even more magical than sort of maybe playing a stadium with you 2 or whatever, that, that thing of walking in a record shop when you're a kid and then seeing your own record in there. So yeah. It's great. I think you could buy a pram as well. Yeah, you pram <laughs> pram load of cassette singles. Like. So, in, 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 was there like live venues in Chorley that that, that kind of was was there like that the, the sort of your, your token sort of let's call it a toilet circuit kind of venue where you'd get all the kind of breaking um, bands like coming through? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, although we kind of going to college in uh, sort of Wigan and Lee, I'd can't we'd play more the venues around there. Um, but my, my first sort of 
experience of playing live in front of an audience, apart from like school plays and church, whatever, was uh, I used to wash up at this Italian restaurant and they'd let me, um, they'd, on a Tuesday night, they'd have a guy who'd come and play acoustic to a backing track and they'd let me go up afterwards. Usually when everyone, like all the, the normal customers, had left. So there'd be a few locals who were allowed to stay for a lock-in and I'd get up and play a few songs. Um, so that was... Uh, Can you remember what you play? It was like Oasis, Neil yeah. Young, all the music I was listening to. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is... The songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Yeah. But was you already at that point though, like, were people already saying to you, mate, you've you got some serious vocals there? Like, or was you, was you aware that you knew you could sing well? Um. And you met, sorry, I don't want to bombard you with questions, but you also said church as well. So yeah. we, was, that in, was that part of like your vocal upbringing? And yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think I was, I had the confidence to get up and sing anyway. And, and there were a few people who said like, yeah, you, I remember there was a chef uh, who, um, who used to work there and, He'd always say, like, uh, when you're famous, I expect you to give me a backstage pass in <laughs> this sort of broad Blackburn accent. Um, but church was good as well, like, because I'm not religious in any way, really. I'm not, I'm not a sort of uh, fist-pumping atheist either. I'm kind of each to their own. Yeah, of course. Um, but what was good about that was that, whereas school or whatever it's kind of frowned upon and everyone's trying to be cool it's like that was one place you could sort of sing at the top of your lungs really yeah and a place where they recognized my talent as well and put me in the choir and um no one could uh sort of give you shit because everyone else was either in the choir themselves or a middle-aged woman so you yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of get on with it and sing away and it's it's great okay okay so we're going to move on now from school and 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 i want to sort of focus now for a little bit on this that point i guess when you're well maybe not quite 18 you know everyone like to sneak in a bit early but the, the, the song that soundtracked your your clubbing years and from your song choice i imagine them clubbing years were we in the local indie clubs. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and so what have you gone for? Um, your, my weakness is none of your business. I always get that the wrong way around, but yeah, um, Embrace. Okay. Um, why, why that song? Because um, that, 
I think we sort of touched on it before where it's just not a song, certainly not nowadays, that you'd ever imagine playing in a club to kind of... Simon's Resurrection with a chorus, right? Yeah, yeah. To, to, uh, to fill the dance floor. Um, but what I remember distinctly about going to those clubs, that there's a place called The World in Warrington, which was a big place and was full every sort of Friday night. What I remember distinctly was there wasn't a lot of dancing <laughs> going on. It was just a hundred, a hundred little Liam Gallagher, Damon Albarn, Danny McNamara clones kind of skulking around and sort of popping, <laughs> popping around. So it's basically impersonating them. Yeah. And I was, I guess, to a certain degree, I was, I was one of them. Um, and singing along, there's a lot of singing along. You just, I suppose, it's that's what happens now is the Smith songs and stuff when they're, when they're still played is people are just like moving slightly and yeah. singing. Um, I, uh, I got a lot of time for that first Embrace album. Yeah. Um, I, can't, I wasn't particularly fond of the second album, I thought. Mm. Like when I first heard Hooligan, I was like, yeah. oh, I'm not feeling this. <laughs> and... Uh, Save me, I thought was good, but that first album that for me, I like the fact that I don't think Danny McNamara's got the strongest voice, hmm. but I think his voice works perfectly with what they do, yeah. And and I just love the, the strings on that album, I think it it sounds big, doesn't it? And yeah, and I remember seeing them on. Because I think they put their f first single out on Fierce Panda. Was it Fierce Panda? Or one of them little in indies that all the indie bands at that point were putting a single out on before they sort of signed to a major. Yeah. And, I'm, and I think that track might have been Fireworks. Hmm. Um, and then I heard Dry Kids. Yeah. Fuck me. What a song. A good tune. And, uh, and I was like, they were one of them bands like Oasis that their B-sides were fucking killer. Yeah. And it was like, man, this this they've got some output here and like and everything's solid and personally the album Retread. Oh yeah. that again like resurrection, it saves it to the end. And then it's they throw everything at it. The strings couldn't get any bigger, they'd explode, do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's one of them bands that I, I ended up once going up to Manchester. He, had, he owned a club at one point. I don't know, I don't yeah. know if you know him. Yeah, I, I played at the club. What was it called? Moho. Moho. Yeah. I don't know if he's still there. But uh, I went up there to, to meet him once. Well, I, was, I was doing a Club XFM down here and I wanted to take it to, to Manchester. And, uh, and I went up there to meet him. And... Uh, and he was, it was quite strange. Uh, he, uh, he come to meet me with two security guards, which I thought was quite strange. <laughs> and, uh, and sort of, it took me, it took him a while to kind of relax. And, and he was, he was quite like, what, what are you doing here? And I was like, you, you invited me here. And it was, a, it was a really strange thing. And, and I thought, I'm just going to cut to the chase and just go, look, I'll, 
everything else about why I'm here pales in, into insignificance here, mate, because I just want to say that first record fucking knocked me sideways. Yeah. And, and that's probably not the coolest way to start a, what potentially was a business meeting, but yeah. I just thought, look, I'm not here to try and nick a pound note off you. I'm here, you know, predominantly because I just want to go, thanks for fucking retread because yeah. it blew my fucking mind. And, yeah. uh, and then once we got chatting music and, you know, he, he was lovely, but it, it was quite a strange sort of thing at first. I thought, oh, do you know what? Fuck the meeting. Let's just, let me just tell him that I really <laughs> like his fucking band. And he, and he was cracking after that. But, uh, I don't think that, I don't even know if the club's still there. I've not, I've not seen it. Or, um, or the it. building's there, but I think it's been through all kinds of different yeah. managements and uh, guises or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've, we've subsequently done loads of gigs and hung out with Embrace and Richard did our last album. He produced our last oh, album. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was quite surreal. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's Danny's brother, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the one when I remember seeing the video to Hooligan. I think he had dreadlocks. I remember thinking, oh, what's happened? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Uh, uh, but yeah. But then they'd done the track. What was the one that Chris Martin wrote? Uh, Gravity. Oh, that's a good tune. Yeah. That was yeah. a cracker, that was. Uh, uh, and I remember seeing them at V. And uh, they, they, I guess come back together this was probably fucking hell I reckon maybe nine ten years ago mm. and and it was their first gig back around this way anyway and I remember them like, and, and me and my mate that because when we was in a band that that band was like what we was trying to sound like we wanted that epic string arrangement and it was all acoustic driven and and I said to my mate, embrace a plan V let's go to V and watch embrace and and it was lovely. All, all my old band all, all met up for the first time in years to go and watch Embrace come out and, and, mm. and play so many of them songs. And it was absolutely magical. Uh, uh. So going back to clubbing and moving away from me, indulging in my, my love <laughs> of Embrace, um, did you ever do that kind of mainstream tanny clubbing did, like, did you ever sort of put on your school trousers and a shirt and go and, and do like a Thursday night in the local cheesy club where you know there might be some pretty girls to go and talk to <laughs> um, I'm trying to think not really it's sort of desperate measure, desperate times call for desperate measures yeah. like if, if that's the only place that's open then you'd end up somewhere like that especially in Chorley yeah. on the rare occasions that I'd because the world was in Warrington near the rest of the band and college and stuff. Um, but the rare occasion where I go out in Chorley, there, were, there only w was one option, which was Applejack's nightclub. What um, a name. And that was definitely like school trousers and neatly ironed shirt. And um, ironically, when they're trying to keep trouble out, it's like the uniform of the lout and the hooligans so, yeah yeah um if you want to avoid trouble in a in a place like make shorts and t-shirt the dress code absolutely you keep, keep all the assholes out completely so. <laughs> completely um so at that point 
when you were out clubbing, you said that the band and that was in Warrington. So had Star Sailor started to, to be, you know, was you right in? And, and um, yeah, yeah, we we met when when I went to college when I was sixteen. Um, so yeah, that was those sort of uh, what would it be three or four years before we got signed were that was the yeah they were my clubbing <laughs> yes but so was you was you finding that I mean let, let's have it right James if that's sort of blowing too much smoke up up your ass you would have been the handsome guy from that band you know before you know before the record deal surely you must have been the guy you know that that had a voice of an angel, was fronting a band, and had a pretty face. I mean, that's that's a decent thing to go clubbing with, right? Yeah, not not quite. Like, because I suppose Warrington, it's not the biggest place, but it's big enough that yeah. Um, there's all kinds of different scenes and things going on where it wasn't like I could walk into a club and all the girls were flocking. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a few people sort of knew about us and knew what we were doing. Um, yeah, it took a while before uh, that uh, that door opened for me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole a whole other podcast. <laughs> All right, so for um, track six, I asked you to pick a favourite song uh, from your hometown. Yeah, um, come on, the Verve is the one, definitely. So j- just. Geographically, which surely where's uh, yeah, is it Wigan? Is it all in it? I don't really know how far these places are from each other. And yes, I suppose it's cheating slightly because that's obviously a big Wigan song. And yeah, surely's like six miles down the oh, road. Oh, you can have that. So, yeah, <laughs> I live in Grace, but I've dined yeah. out on, on Depeche Mode in Basildon <laughs> forever, and that's 10 miles. Um, so yeah, um, and I remember uh, watching the Verve at Hay Hall. Did you, what on telly or you went to I it? went to it yeah and um, that's a serious gig right it was amazing and it, I'm sure it was towards the end of Come On where Richard Ashcroft starts chanting thank you for letting me be myself Wigan <laughs> like yes <laughs> um, it's the key change with oh what a track Am I right in saying, does Liam sing on the recorded version? Is that him screaming at the end? Did I? Yeah, I yeah? think, I think that, that rings a bell. And it's still the song, like, if I'm feeling down or um, if someone's, like, if some... Yeah, if I, I feel sort of hard done by, I'll stick it on and feel a bit better. Yeah. Um that's a powerful track it's so defiant when at the end when he said this is a big fuck you (laughs) this is a big fuck you yeah like you just can't help but think of anyone that's ever sort of put you down or um yeah like rejected you in some way you kind of yes and to see them perform it at Hay Hall was amazing and it, it is kind of there's that sort of local pride that yeah. someone with that kind of talent and uh, swagger and... Mm. Um, was that the first time you'd seen them? Um, yeah, yeah. I was talking on a podcast earlier today um, 
and, and the, the verve come up in conversation. Mm. I see them support Smashing Pumpkins mm. when he was called Mad Richard yeah. and No Shoes and Socks and fucking hell. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you, if you ever listen to the, uh, the Glastonbury recording, The Gravity Grave? He's, no. Oh, fucking hell. It's outrageous. Like, yeah, and 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 I think I, I, I never got to that that Hagel show, but me and all of my mates had that on DVD and just rinsed it because it's yeah. it's just I don't think you're ever going to see the Verve better than that. I think like that was just it all come together. That's their Spike Island, yeah. right? You know, yeah. uh, that's their Nebworth. It was absolutely phenomenal and and at that point probably one of the coolest guys on the planet Richard yeah. Ashcroft like, um, so just to sort of mention what, while we're here because um, you've recently been doing shows with Liam Gallagher yeah yeah um, I did let's, let's talk about that quickly like, how's um, that been well it was just a one off in Istanbul uh, this night festival I guess called the Blue Night Festival um, he was headlining we were on just before him this um, was Star Sailor yeah right yeah. and uh, yeah it's amazing to kind of get up and do our thing and then get to watch Liam come on after and um, play all these songs that I kind of grown up with and uh, it's weird obviously like it's sort of well publicised that we had a bit of a spat with his brother kind of years and years ago. Um, but it's great that like now we kind of shake hands and I saw him, I only saw him briefly in the hotel lobby. Um, and he's we're lucky that we've met some amazing people over the years. And I love Tim Burgess. I grew up with his music as well and. The Charlatans are one of my favourite band. Um, but I've met him enough times now where it's got to that point where I, I don't I don't get that sort of yeah. tingle anymore. <laughs> I'm kind of, oh, it's Tim, it's my mate. He's he's amazing, um, but he's my mate. Um, and the lads from Embrace as well. Whereas Liam is still like... Force of nature. Oh, oh, all right, Liam. <laughs> I, I I You've got two minutes to say something to Liam, I think. All we said to each other was, uh, wherever you come from, how oh, we've been in Korea, what was that like? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's like, we've, we've just been to Budapest. But what I found interesting was, um, he said, We'd not been, we've not been to Budapest before. It was amazing. And that for me, that was like, he's drawn a line between Oasis and what he's doing now. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, which is fair play. Like, he's, he's, he obviously... He's living in the now and yeah. he's sort of reclaimed, not reclaimed those songs, but, but feels comfortable playing yeah. playing them with his new band and yeah. sort of breathing new life into them. Because my first instinct was, of course you've been to Budapest, like yeah. Oasis went everywhere. Um, but yeah, like I say, he's obviously, he's in a new place now and he's... Uh, I think he's, it's really interesting hearing him, you know, I've, I've watched a few interviews with him um, on YouTube that he's done recently, mm. and 
I'm really enjoying listening to him chat. You know, yeah. he's he's he seems really comfortable in, it, yeah. in himself. And yeah, he's, he's, it just seems like he's loving it. Yeah, his brother Paul was on the road as well, and he was nice as well. And it just seems like he's kind of at one with. <laughs> he's he's always been this sort of force of nature. Yeah. And, uh, it's it's weird you mentioned Paul Gallagher. That's one of my favourite quotes from him ever. I suppose I suppose he's. It's hard to talk about Liam Gallagher because you think, yeah, if he's if for some mad reason he ever listens to it, <laughs> what that, what's he going to think? He don't. I'm trying to think how to how to word this. It's like he's obviously, like I say, he's still a force of nature. He's still got an edge, but he's maybe lost a bit of that nastiness, that kind of yeah. me against the world yeah. thing. He's like, I think. He's not in competition with anyone anymore. Yeah. He's re- he's recognised that there there is only one Liam Gallagher. Yeah. He's not better or worse than anyone else. Yeah. He's just on in this fucking. Yeah. What was it? Noel said is that he's he's a spoon in a world of forks or something <laughs> like that. <It's> like, <laughs> I um, think it was when Noel said, "I'm the greatest songwriter in the world, so I'm always going to write the best fucking songs in the world." Our kid's the best singer in the world, so he's always going to sing the best fucking songs in the world. <laughs> My brother Paul's a grave digger. He's going to dig the best fucking graves <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that was fucking brilliant. Yeah, but I, th- I think, uh, yeah, Liam's just on his own. It's, he's in Liam Gallagher world. He's, yeah. There's only one Liam Gallagher. He's, like I say, he's not better or worse or um, in competition with anyone else. Yeah. He's just doing his thing, which... Uh, He's earned that, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's like, and enjoying it. and Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So for your last track, um, this is a, an opportunity to, to, to introduce listeners to, to something they may not have heard before. So I ask you to pick a song that, that you love, that you think a lot of people might not have heard. And uh, so it's your opportunity to... Um, I think... I've heard loads of amazing music recently. Like I've been rinsing the, if rinsing's the right expression, <laughs> or Kane and whatever the uh, Phoebe Bridges album. That's really good. Um, but Anais Mitchell is a singer who I'd not come across before, and I stumbled on uh, Boniver covering one of her tracks and. Um, He's so good at reinterpreting songs, like there's some Peter Gabriel stuff he's done, which made me kind of delve into his back catalogue as well. What what era of, of Gabriel? Um, he does uh, talk to me, mm-hmm. or come talk to me. Um, I'm not sure what year that mm-hmm. came out. But Anais Mitchell, he covered her song Coming Down. And I was just absolutely blown away by it. Um, to the extent where I recorded my own version, put a little clip on Instagram, and she messaged me and said, "You've done a good job." <laughs> so really? Like, yeah. I mean, that's um, that's the perfect feedback, right? Yeah, I, was, I got <laughs> I got quite emotional because I'm like, um, obviously being a musician, it, it's not a it's not a sort of regular income. It's not a it's not an easy thing to do, and you can feel like, like 
you sort of have your down moments. Um, so to get that kind of feedback is that, yeah, that at the end of the day, that's what we do it for. It's yeah. recognition from our peers and fellow musicians that, yeah, you, you're doing right. You, you're contributing some some decent art to the yeah. world and decent performances to the world. So that nice one. Thanks, Anais. Okay. Um, so that, that'd be over on, on the Spotify playlist. So go yeah. and uh, investigate um, that. And... So, before we finish, what's what's happening at the moment, James? What's what's coming up? Um, we're going to Denmark in September. Going to South America in October. Is this you on your own, or is uh, this with Star Sailor? Yeah, yeah. And November, we're doing the Silence Is Easy album. It's, oh, uh, really? We've d every people do like ten year anniversaries, twenty year anniversaries. We've decided to go <laughs> against the grain and do our fifteen year anniversary of Silence Is Easy with a string section. Fuck, where's that going to be? Uh, Shepherd's Bush Empire. Nice. Um, the Ritz in Manchester, and uh, Fruit Market or something in. I can't. The, it's a new venue in Glasgow anyway. Um, all the dates are up on starsailorband.com, I think it is, the website. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to do that. Oh, mate. I think, uh, I remember when the idea was first kind of mooted. So we can just go and play the, the Silence is Easy album. And uh, I remember thinking that's, that's not... Uh, that's not really unique enough. It's mm. not enough of a draw. I thought we've, it's so kind of string laden anyway. It's like eight tracks with orchestra on. It's like we've got to do something with that because we've never, we've never done it before. And I saw Spiritualized at Barbican recently. They've always got a massive uh, orchestra. and They play Broken Heart. But yeah, it's oh. superb. Oh, fucking hell. So I'm really excited to do it. Yeah. To, uh, That's, I mean, what a, a brilliant way to finish. You know, the fact that so many of these songs we've discussed, the, the, the magnificent, yeah. huge string sounds that have accompanied so many of the records on your playlist, and yeah. you've just finished by saying that you're going to play your album with a string section. Yeah. That's amazing. James, thanks loads, mate. Nice I really one. appreciate you coming no down worries. and doing this. Cheers. Wicked. There you go. What a nice little chat. He's super chilled, super laid back, super nice, and clearly super talented. And it's always nice to have music chats with, with musicians because they're generally as nerdy and as anoraki as me. So uh, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, if you like me chatting to musicians, then have a look in the back catalogue if this is the first time you've listened to this podcast um, because... I've done episodes with Scroobius Pip, Snowboy, Block Party, and oh, loads more. Go and have a little look. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm just going to say thank you once more for your ongoing support. Please subscribe, tweet, Insta, Facebook me, whatever. Let us know what you think, and I'll see you next week. Take it easy. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. 
keep making stew with him. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.